back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 115 for March 15th. Oh, boy. The Ides of March. <laughs> the Ides of the, the show. Et tu, Brute. Uh-huh. Chance Watson and Molly Roberts bring you the news today. And this episode is brought to you by Bank CDA. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. So, Molly. Yes. It is the Ides of March today. It is today. the Ides of March. Uh, made famous by... Uh, by by Caesar himself. Yeah, by by Caesar himself. Or, or was yeah? Was it was it uh, other people that made the day famous? That's true. I, in fact, if it were up to Caesar, he probably would have not wanted March fifteenth. That's true. If I was stabbed by a bunch of people, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, please remember this forever. Like please, <laughs> please bring this up every year. That's very true. Yeah, Please make a play about this. Please make uh, a play about when I was stabbed so many times by people I trusted. That's, that's very accurate. Um, I did actually. So we were talking about like I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I would say a casual Shakespeare fan. Um, yeah. While we were all, while I was one of many, you also in particular probably were you know rolled your eyes when we were forced to read Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Uh, in high school, like ever, it's required reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people actually. I heard that it's not always Romeo and Juliet. Like some people are forced to. Like I also did. I think in high school it was. We did do the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Oh, um, okay. Did you guys okay. ever get forced to read any other Shakespeare? Oh, I feel. I don't think so. I know in drama they did a Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay, um, but I don't one. think that we had to read it. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I, I from what I can remember, I think Romeo and Juliet was the only Shakespeare that we, we did. And man, we milked that unit. I remember we even watched the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Like oh, I don't know yeah. which is worse, reading reading the actual play or in watching. the original Shakespearean, or watching the Leonardo DiCaprio movie of Romeo and Juliet. That's true. I honestly think That's I would true. read. I think I'd read the play again. I would rather watch, watch West Side Story. <laughs> I, you know what? For it being cheesy, mm-hmm. I appreciated the original West Side Story. Did you see I the remaking? Too. It? I, I did. My, did you see it? I haven't seen it. Okay. My parents watched it the other night. They said it was pretty good. I have not watched it. And your your parents are fans of the theater. Oh yes, they are fans of the theater. Gotcha. Famously, I used to as a kid cuz I knew what would happen in West Side Story, I would stop it before they both died cuz I wanted it to have a happy sure. ending. Sure. <laughs> but these these things rarely happen in these plays. Yeah. Um, I just I just always appreciated the the sharks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotta, gotta, it's like I want to be in a in a gang like that. That is the best way to threaten God, somebody. It, it is. I still threaten people like that. <laughs> just if I'm really upset, just start snapping and looking menacingly, and then in they an, in know. An interview, you just hear this. <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, she's a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I appreciate that. I can, I can get behind that. Um, anything, anything's better than the DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, honestly, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I, I know the reference. I don't know if I've ever actually watched don't. that. Okay, don't. I won't. You're not. I, I mean, will not. Unless, you, unless you like, it. unless you're one of those people that like takes pride in like watching bad movies. Like, remember, uh, well, remember when Netflix know. like it was that thing to watch Sharknado. 
Okay. Like Sharknado is bad. I have watched every single Sharknado. Yeah, they're movie. terrible, but yeah, but that's yes, why you but watch. That's them. why you watch them. Yes. It's like the whole. It's like classic horror movies. Yeah. Like they, they're really bad. Yes. No, and that's. But that's the point. But that's the point exactly. Where this was not supposed to be bad. This it was not <laughs> the Leo DiCaprio version. I don't, it was not no, supposed to be bad. No, it was supposed to be like revolutionary. Exactly. It's supposed to be like so... a modern day adaptation with the original lines that like could bring in like casual. Yeah. Yes. Plus, one of DiCaprio's like first films. I yes, it was right well, up I there. I think it was directed by the same person that directed Mulan. Rouge. Yeah, it, it had it had like a cat like a good cast and a decent director, but yes, very yes. straight. Like just it's hard to adapt a Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Play. Yeah, it really is hard to adapt Shakespeare <clears throat> into into the modern age without making it. I don't know. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. That was okay. That was. I even. I think I saw the the movie adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing. That wasn't mm-hmm. bad either. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not terrible. Like sometimes you can adapt a play to a movie. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. No. Just you have to. I don't know. Maybe take some creative license. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In certain things. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is basically just Shakespeare, but with laser swords. Very true. Mm-hmm. That's true lightsabers and that kind of thing. There's some theory, and I can't remember it exactly, but that there's only actually like five stories or something. You know, there's like the... They're recycled over and over exactly. and over. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have heard this theory. Like, yeah. um, it's all based on like, uh, while we're really channeling like like grade school English stories here. But, really? <laughs> um, like, like, uh, like the between uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, yeah. the, the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yep. Like everything's just like rip-offs of exactly, it essentially. Yeah, that I've heard all... this theory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and as, as a big fan of, uh, okay, the Epic of Gilgamesh is barely readable. It's, it's rough. Um, but it is the oldest written it story. It is so, the oldest written story. I mean, you gotta give him, you gotta give him a break. You really um, do. He didn't have anything to work off of. And, and this is definitely my history nerd side showing, but I definitely appreciate the Iliad. Um, it is a it is a truly great it's, great. No, uh, mm-hmm. It stands up today. It does. It um, really does. And it, and it reads well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it almost reads better than Shakespeare. Yeah. Like in terms of understanding, yeah, of it understanding and, it, well, because yeah, Shakespeare's all iambic pentameter, and so it can be difficult I'm gonna to. Make mo- I'm going to make words to and right yeah. exactly yeah. to make my point yeah. and yeah. What's um? What is the other one that we were all for? Uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, Streetcar Named Desire. You ever you ever you were ever forced to read no, or watch that? No, I was not. That's a that's know. an American classic. I mean, I've heard of it, okay. yeah, but okay. I have not ever read or watched. Ooh, that's someone with Marlon Brand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, oh. and so and perfect. <laughs> you, just, you just transferred me into this because I think this is going to be the perfect transition. Um, so one of Marlon Brando's most classic roles mm-hmm. was he played Caesar. Or no, he played Mark Antony. He played Mark Antony. He played Mark Antony. Yes, that's right. Black and white right. version of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Um I think it's very important that uh, we recognize the career of Marlon Brando um, because I think while while totally justified, uh, mm-hmm. his titular role as Don Corleone yes. in The Godfather, like, well-earned. Of course, um, of course. I'm going to make you an offer, you're going to Classic, yes. Classic. Classic guy. It deserves it. Um, Brando was a stud. <sighs> like, he might be... I'd be curious, like, Rolling Stones probably should do a list of, like, top ten, like, yeah. you know, like, James Dean's up there right. and that kind of stuff. Like, but, I mean, Marlon Brando in his prime is, yeah. he's a good-looking fella. He's 
a ridiculously good looking fella. He was a good looking fella. And uh-huh, and, and uh-huh. unlike a lot of actors back in that day where it was kind of more name okay, not not to besmirch the good name of John Wayne, but can we all agree that John Wayne wasn't the greatest act like he's hmm. an iconic Americana sure. like and for the roles that he played, like um, what was it, True Grit? Like that yeah. was I liked I yeah. liked that one. Right. But like there was a point where we're throwing John Wayne into everything. Mm-hmm, and especially mm-hmm. as he got older, like, okay, we're doing this because he's John because Wayne. Because it's John Wayne, not exactly. Not because yeah. he's necessarily yeah, the greatest definitely. actor. Um, uh, so th- there are certain actors that, that have that level of just, like, they were celebrities because of that. You know, mm-hmm. even, you know, Frank Sinatra and all that kind of stuff. Getting, right. Getting acting like roles who aren't yes. necessarily the best actors. Right. And, and that's saying, I love Frank Sinatra. Like, I, that's one of the, I, he's one of the greatest Americana entertainers. Yeah. Yes. Um, but is he the greatest? Right. But is act, he necessarily yeah, exactly. a great actor? I watched him in a movie called High Society where he was duetting with Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great duet. It was very cool, but not, uh, yeah. God, we're going no. re- we're back on these references. But Marlon Brando, uh, that is that is a truly skilled actor through and through on top of his good looks. On top of just being really good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my he got he got he got the good he got the package it. Like, you know, like there are good actor there are good actors that aren't necessarily like Will Willem Dafoe. Yeah, like, wonderful. A phenomenal actor. actor, not a good looking guy. Not, He's not just necessarily not a necessarily guy. Like, conventionally he, attractive guy. He just yeah. in his day to day life looks like a Batman villain. Yep. Like True. like like if mm-hmm. I saw Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe, like, like if they put oh, him in a lineup and they're like, Hey, who spray painted City Hall? Uh, the one that and... kind of looks like a frog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy, that that guy. Yeah, yeah that yeah. guy. Um, oh, oh, you're also telling me that this guy dressed up as an undercover cop, cross dressing with two Irish vigilantes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, right. it's probably him. Yeah, probably, it's probably that guy. That guy. That was yeah, a, that was a Boondock Saints reference for anybody who Boondock didn't Saints is... understand that one. Gosh. That's that's a ooh, that's a good that's transition another... for. Ooh. We, do, we do have St. Patty, Patty's Day coming up. Are you going to do your accent? I'm not even going to attempt it. You're not. You cannot. You can't pull off an Irish accent. No, not 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 at the moment. No, Dude, maybe with some practice. A little. Okay, maybe so by uh, Friday's episode, I'll practice this week. Okay. Fair. Yeah. We yeah, can. We can, yeah. we can. We can. We can bring out the Irish accents for the Friday episode. <laughs> um, I, I I do love me some Boondock Saints. Uh, I've heard that there's going to be a third one. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know much about that. I don't um, know either. Nowadays with What's his face? Was it Reedus? What's his name? The guy on Walking Dead. Oh. Oh. My Plays goodness. the biker dude. Yeah, yeah. I... It's off your radar. It's off my radar. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um. I. Oh. I... Ice. Okay. Nope. I just looked it up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Okay. Yeah, that's yes. Right. There you yes. Go. There you go. Yeah. So I know. I know he's uh, a busy fellow, but um, busy guy. Yeah. But uh, Boondock Saints is like kind of taking on its own like cult following. Yeah. So. Ooh, that would be a good topic one day. We could talk about movies that Ooh, have cult followings. That got cult followings, like maybe weren't well received at first, and now mm-hmm. is like, or are just like off the wall, like the room. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, first thing that I thought of the uh, the the Maze Runner ripoff, um, Equilibrium, with Christian Ooh. Bale. Oh yes, yes. I, I, in my opinion, underrated movie. I love it's a good movie. That movie. It it did not do well when it, it first didn't, came out. No, but I and it is a watched... cheesy old sci fi movie, but mm-hmm. I still like it. That is a that's a good movie. It Equilibrium. Good, I, mm-hmm. Equilibrium is a fantastic movie. But we guess we gotta stick on topic with Irish 
Irish. Irish. Got a St. Patrick's Day. So, I mean, we kind of already talked about, like, the horror film of, like, the leprechaun. Of the leprechaun, of course, yeah, of course, course, course. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, Boondock Saints is probably the go-to right now, right? Like, Yeah, that's very true. Probably. I can't, like, I can't think of another, like, in my movie Right. Repertoire. We did talk about a Luck of the Irish, the, Disney, the, Irish? the yeah. Disney movie, yeah. where the kid can play basketball. Yeah, you should. Here, hold on. Let's, let's, while we're talking about this, let's just... What do you type in? St. Patrick's Day movies? That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I, have, yeah, yeah. I have picked up the tradition of, so the show Letterkenny. Yes. They have the holiday themed episodes and I've, it's, it's tradition. So. It's yeah. tradition. <laughs> and it's you don't, tra- you got you, you don't mess with, F tradi- with tradition. No. no. Uh, you don't F with it. No, you don't. So, um. St. Patrick's Day movies. So uh, I have picked up like watching the theme of that. So I, I will probably watch the uh, St. Patrick's Day themed episode of Letterkenny. Ooh, there you go. Okay. Oh my um, gosh. There are like five Leprechaun movies, if not more. That is Leprechaun, upsetting, Leprechaun 2, Leprechaun in Space. What? Leprechaun in Space. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. Whoa. Popular movies about St. Patrick's Day. The Wind That Shakes the Barley. <laughs> Sign uh, me up. Okay, yeah. Uh, something <laughs> Is that called Cillian Murphy. So maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, the dude who played Scarecrow. Maybe looks like him anyway. Um, this movie's called Brooklyn. I don't know anything about that. Leap Year with um. Oh, what's her oh, face? Oh, that's like from... a romantic comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Three, three out of five stars. Okay, never. So I, I think our point. We... P.S. I love you is up. Directors, actors, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. This is a call to action to make more so St. Patrick's Day movies. Maybe it's Thank more, you. Maybe it's more of just like Irish actors, like anything with mm. Colin Farrell. Well, then we can call the Batman an Irish film we because could, he could, was and in. And we're back to Batman. <laughs> Welcome back to Batman you Talk. You know what? Hmm. Out of all of the cartoonish villains that Batman has, I can't believe that there's not a cartoonish Irish Batman villain. Hmm. That's true. There's got, like, you'd think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he steals um, gold or something? Nothing? Yeah. Okay. Not that I can so, find. So the I'm Mad really... Hatter came up, but that's not, no, he's not he's Irish. No, he's not really Irish. It's probably based off of a leprechaun, but no. Colin Farrell is unrecognizable on the first look as um, the penguin. Colin Farrell, uh, I, I appreciate his films. I appreciate his films and how he looks. Oh, really? Do you think he's a handsome fellow? I do think he's a handsome fellow. Oh, my goodness. I I just remember him from that episode of Scrubs. It's like, what? He just said my hair is curly. Your hair is curly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Good stuff. The Quiet Man. With John Wayne! In a St. Patrick's Day movie. Wow. John Wayne everything, in the St. Patrick's Day movie. Everything's just kind of tying back it into each It really other, yeah. is. The synchronicity mm-hmm. is off the wall today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the 115th episode, and it's March 15th. It is. We're all over. I don't know how we got to, well, I mean, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, but um, yeah, that makes, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe, okay, so now I'm just going to, I'm going to have to go home. I'm going to watch the St. Patrick's Day Letter episode Kenny. of Lever Kenny. Okay. And maybe even the episode of Scrubs mm-hmm. with, with uh, Colin Farrell. There you go. And I'm going to watch all six of the Leprechaun movies. No, I'm not going to do that to myself. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? Just in sequential order. Yeah, right, right. I would, and co- then, I would be, I would be at work it tomorrow. Off, and finish just it off like... with Romeo and Juliet <laughs> by Leonardo DiCaprio and tell me why you did that to yourself 
just like to torture myself. Apparently. A good time? No, thank you. Uh, no. No, thank you. I'm going to watch all of the Leprechaun films. I like to watch the worst movies possible. Well, sometimes I do. No, I can't. I, and there's some, there's some that are that, that are renowned. Like, I, I know there's taste. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I personally am not a fan of, like, um, what's a good example? The Fast and Furious movies. Can't watch them. I I have not watched them, so I can't. There you go. I well, I only watched like the first two, and then I was like, okay, this is literally the same thing every time. Cars, 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 Lots. cars. Vroom, vroom. We're family. Go. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that became a meme for a while. I did too. Family. That's the only family. thing reason why family. I know that family. it is. Yeah, it's because it's a meme. So good. Vin, Vin Diesel's <laughs> real happy about that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Vin Diesel knows exactly what memes are. <laughs> Vin Diesel doesn't need to worry about much. Oh, my he's, God. That guy, he's right up what there. life. Like, that would be so nice if you didn't have to worry about much. <laughs> All right. Who's who's better actor, uh, Vin Ooh. Diesel or Jason Statham? Jason Statham. Okay. I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though they basically do the they same They pretty much do the same thing over and over, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd say Jason Statham. Well, I don't know. I did hear uh, that um, uh, Vin Diesel wanted to know like what Groot was saying. Like mm. you know, oh, he, he yeah. wanted to know. Mm. It was like, no, what am I? What is Groot saying? Mm-hmm. And that I was like, oh, that kind of changed my mind a little bit about that. Vin Diesel uh, in in the sadder role that he had. Like I remember him when he was a side character in Saving Private Ryan. Mm. Um, not to bring up one of the best movies like well-directed movies of all time but um i remember him yeah uh, in that movie the solid war movie. i just remember him in i think the first experience with vin diesel was triple x when yeah. i went to see it in the theaters yep. when i was about 12 yep <laughs> yep that's that is and i remember telling my parents i'm going to go see triple x in the theaters and then being like confused. uh excuse me mm-hmm. I I just I'm sorry I wrote off Jason Statham when uh, I, Transporter Two came out. Just sure. really really That's bad. Rough, yeah, it's really bad. I just remember I I can just I feel like in Crank he was pretty good. The first Crank, like I feel like it, it, as far as an action movie, like I don't know. I just want to be enta- entertained with action films. That's fair. And it was entertaining. Statham could be in a he's he's British, right? He can pull off a he could he could be in some sort of St Patrick's Day themed movie. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's an English actor. All right, I want to I want a St. Patrick's Day themed retelling of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Wow. Wow. Just an all Irish cast. All Irish cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Colin Farrell obviously has to be in it. Obviously. Okay, Irish actor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, we are Do now? we have enough of them? Liam Neeson. Oh, oh, Liam Neeson's obviously involved. Liam, Neeson, Liam Neeson's got to be Caesar, right? Yeah. Pierce Brosnan? Oh, yes. Pierce Brosnan, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. This would be a great movie. I feel like... Look at all these actors. Bono. Pe- oh, Peter O'Toole is dead, but oh. if... Sure. Oh, Aiden oh. Gillen, who played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay. I think we got a good cast. I think we got enough here. I, I really do. We I can really fill out the ranks think. with some amateurs, yeah. like the rest of the senators. Yeah. And most and... of them, it's looking like are men, which works for this situation as well. Not a lot of... There we go. Wow. It would just be 20 minutes of... Like, he would, like Julius Caesar would go into the senate and just like get cussed at it'd be like it'd be like at the pub 
<laughs> Caesar walks in to take his seat, and all of a sudden Brutus, oh, I prick! I think we've really got something here. I will I think, start working on the script. I will start yeah, uh, this sending is, this out is our, messages. This is our first pitch uh, yes. for this movie. Um, um, ooh, let's get Taika Waititi to direct it. Oh, he would knock this out of the <laughs> he park. He would knock it out of the park. He would knock this. That would be this. phenomenal. This would. This is Taika. If you're listening, we have a Taika, great idea for you. Taika, Taika, and M Night Shyamalan should <laughs> no, team up on nice. this. It's a what a twist! What a twist! What Caesar a twist. Caesar is an alien. Oh wow! A, an Irish retelling of the tragedy of Julius Caesar with aliens. Whoa! We might we might have jumped the shark there at the end, but but it's still. I was going to say we might be on par with Sharknado right now, but yeah. <laughs> We might we might have we might have tornadoed the shark right we now. We might have. Yeah. Okay. Let's um. Let's 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 let's, let's stab stabilize this idea a little bit. On. Yeah. Uh. Let's 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 move on to something a little happier. Uh, <laughs> Aw. Aw. Uh, oh, it's uh, too soon, Molly. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> about talking about. Julius Caesar's yes, brutal murder. It's really too soon. Okay. I just don't like to think about it. It just makes me sad. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. Have you heard about the Daysmith Adoption Program? Every month, Daysmith Motors is sponsoring a dog from Shoshone Pet Rescue and cats from Silver Valley Cat Wranglers and Lorna's Lovelies and covering the adoption fees 100%. This month, they are sponsoring Ivy, a six-year-old female dog who's friendly once you get to know her. For more information, please contact Shoshone Pet Rescue 208-512-3401. Sounds like you don't want to pet Ivy too hard when you first meet her. They're also sponsoring Meow Meow. Meow meow. Meow meow. That's, that's the name. She's a seven-year-old female cat, and she's a little timid, but very sweet. Yeah. For more information, please contact Silver Cat Wranglers at 208-446-7131. And Bob. 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 He's a very playful male cat, and he loves to cuddle. For more information, please call on his lovelies at 208-704-5180. Go get, go get yourself a kitty. Go get yourself a meow meow. A kitty kitty. Kitty. All right, let's move into Coraline Postwell's press headlines for Sunday, March 13th. Headline, love really does live here. This is by Bill Bewley. With one hand, Chris Jones waved at passing cars. With the other, he held a high, held high a red sign with white letters that read love. And he capped off his message of goodwill with a huge smile. Quote, I think it's important that everybody just brings something positive to the world right now, he said Saturday afternoon. And that's really about it. It's important to be positive in today's world. There's so much negativity, and that's too easy to fall into. Jones had plenty of company who agreed with him. About 100 people gathered on Government Way by McIntyre Family Park for about an hour to spread messages of kindness and unity. Quote, Love Lives Here was organized by the Human Rights Education Institute. It was in response to a planned gathering of the Aryan Freedom Network, a white supremacist group, on private property in Hayden Lake on Saturday, a gathering that either didn't happen or happened quietly. On Government Way in Hayden, though, people held signs that read, Love one another now, love all, and honk for kindness. Many drivers did just that, honking and waving in support of the gathering on a cool, cloudy day that gave way to sunshine and warmth. Many drivers did just that, honking and waving in support of the gathering on a cool, cloudy day that gave way to sunshine and warmth. 
Well, that's nice. Beautiful. That's very happy. I'm glad. Very happy. It's just love does live here. Sunshine and rainbows and happiness and Mm -hmm. smiles. And and the Human Rights Educational Institute does great work. They do. They They do 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 great work. And you know what? Um, Glad that those uh, those those folks with the Aryan stuff they they did their stuff indoors and glad they kept to themselves. Mm -hmm. That's. Probably the best for everybody, you know? I agree. Hackle Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They are the largest primary primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills developed over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hackle Mining Company, please visit HeckleMining.com. Text in two. Monday, March 14th headlines. Right. We have CDA's leading legal eagle retiring. This is by Bill Bewley. As attorney for Coeur d'Alene, Mike Gridley represents the city in all legal matters. That might not sound exciting, but it is important. For 20 years, he's been an advisor to the mayor, city council, and staff. His input is sought on issues dealing with police, land use, growth, development and zoning, even debates over right-of-ways and water quality. He's the guy who keeps the city from getting sued. Quote, a lot of moving parts, Gridley said. Gridley expresses confidence that the city is well run and has made great advances over those years. It's clean, friendly, and without an overbearing big brother in government. Quote, that's why people want to move here, he said. Under his legal eagle watch, a new public library was built. McEwen Park was created, as was Atlas Waterfront Park. The Croc Center was finished, railroads removed, and the North Idaho Centennial Train Trail realigned. For all that, Gridley credits stability in council and mayor, administrators, and staff. Quote, a good outfit that I think most people don't really fully appreciate, he said. A lot of it wouldn't have happened if the city and the Urban Renewal Agency hadn't been a good, forward-thinking bunch. The 66-year-old is quietly been instrumental in it all, keeping the city moving ahead without legal surprises and setbacks and lawsuits. His time with the city ends Tuesday with his retirement. Quote, it's kind of hard to believe, he said as he sat in his office at City Hall. I've been a lawyer for 40 years and been here 20 years. I could work to keep, I could work to keep working, but I just decided it's time to do something else. Randy Adams, chief civil deputy city attorney, will move into Gridley's role. Gridley went into law because he saw early that lawyers were the people that could help others and change the system. If there was to be a positive change, lawyers had the ability to do that. Uh, Gridley graduated from Central College in Pella, Iowa, and from Notre Dame Law School. He worked for law firms in Houston and as a general counsel for a company before spending 11 years with Union Pacific Railroad. He was visiting North Idaho in 2001 when he saw a job posting for an assistant city attorney with the city of Coeur d'Alene. He interviewed for it and was told, you're way too qualified for this job. You should apply for this city attorney job. He did, and he was hired. Today, he oversees a legal staff of about 10. While lawyers are often viewed as part of the problem, Gridley has tried to be part of the solution. Quote, my motto or my approach has been to try and say yes to whatever somebody is doing until we absolutely say, no, you can't do that. And so I think trying to help people get done what they want to do. It's been a good run, of which he is proud. He worked with three mayors, Sandy Blome for 12 years, Steve Widmeyer for eight, and today, Jim Hammond. Quote, the best part is probably working with elected officials and staff who really are trying to do good for the citizens, he said.
and the hardest? In retirement, he'll have more time to organize his sock drawer, he jokes. <laughs> While he's serious about enjoying his two passions, sailing and cycling, Gridley said leaving his role as the city's attorney and being involved in high-level issues and decisions has been harder than expected. Hmm. Well, Always good. good to have good legal staff. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Tuesday, March 15th headline. Crime scene cleanup comes with compassionate touch. This is by Ellie Goldman Hilbert. The news is full of unsavory stuff, graphic accidents, horrific crimes, and heartbreaking suicides. But rarely do most people have the comfort in uh, to comfort the aftermath of those traumas. For Rick Bennett, owner of Biogon Biohazards Cleanup and Removal, the scenes are a regular part of life. Bennett had a strong constitution when dealing with death scenes, but it's a job he also handles with sensitivity and compassion. Personally taking every incoming call, Bennett's first objective is listening with a sympathetic ear and understanding exactly what the situation is. Frequently, Bennett is called to suicides, homicides, or unattended deaths. Biogon has also handles hoarding cases, industrial accidents, and the scenes of a medical emergency, he said. Once he visited the location to determine what's required, he explains it to the client, assuring them that the scene will be properly handled. Sometimes, family members try cleaning up the scene themselves, which is extremely dangerous, Bennett said. The damage Biogon, uh, Biogon handles frequently involves removing bodily fluids. Ugh. Quote, people don't understand that body fluids can potentially contain many different types of diseases, hepatitis B and C, HIV, MRSA, and so on, uh, Bennett said. Some of them are deadly, so you have to be really careful. Bennett's crew begins by cleaning surfaces that are visible to the eye, eventually proceeding to examine nation on a microscopic level. Because of the nature of the traumas Biogon handles, often body fluids or tissues have, quote, sprayed, become affixated to walls, ceilings, personal belongings. The Biogon team examines these surfaces inch by inch using a special high-powered light, Bennett said. Okay. Grossness aside, this is, like, super interesting. It is. Um, Quote, now what we're looking for is literally a pinpoint of blood, something that would be really hard for you and I to see, he said. Quote, even one little pinpoint of blood is enough to get somebody sick. Consider someone returning to the site with an infant, for example. The child may crawl around touching things and inevitably will place their hands in the mouth. If Biogon has missed so much as a pinpoint of bloody, blood, bodily fluid, rather, that baby could potentially contra- contract hepatitis or something worse, Oof. Bennett said. Bennett and his crew aren't willing to take that chance. The site is stripped down, disinfected, and sterilized with specialized chemicals. Then technicians continue cleaning the hidden inches of a home, Bennett said. Every cabinet and drawer, every nook and cranny are examined when a scene is particularly bad or odors can't be completely eliminated. The walls may may have to be sealed with a paint that uh, encapsulates them. Bennett has a four-person full-time crew and several part-time employees. He conducts all employee training personally. Quote, we groom them little by little, teaching them why, Bennett said. Technicians cover themselves hand-to-toe in protective gear, guarding against both bodily fluids and the harsh chemicals that are required. Another focus of employee training is the gentle handling of family members. Quote, I'm an extremely sensitive person. It's important to me that these people are treated with compassion and understanding, Bennett said. It's not easy being being, uh, being them at that moment in time. Actual biohazard cleanup isn't even close to what's depicted on TV, Bennett said. Quote, most people have no idea what a murder scene looks like, and it's probably good they don't, Bennett said. There is nothing typical about this job. For more information, visit Biogon, that's B-I-O-G-O-N, 
e.com included on the site is a blog where bennett shares information and experiences rick can be reached directly at our uh, rick r-i-c-k at biogon.com or 208-704-4400 yeah it's one of those um boy that would be uh that would definitely be included in the dirty jobs show yeah definitely that's uh that's a lot and no I'm but sure yeah it's... if we didn't have Oh, you that have resource them. available yeah. exactly then it would just be you, you would have to clean up the stuff yourself which yeah. is not that's not something that's that traumatizing you deal with. yeah yeah all right swan song this is by Bill Bewley. Mm-hmm. Bev Twillman saw hundreds of swans on both sides of highway 97 as she drove towards Harrison the sight of the graceful, long-necked white birds near the Coeur River would have been beautiful, but for the dead ones along the shoreline and the road. Twillman wrote that one bird was confused, unsteady, and wandering near the center of Highway 97, even sitting down in the middle of the road with cars whizzing by. Quote, it was heartbreaking, she wrote. Idaho Fish and Game and U.S. Environmental Protection Agency officials said Monday the sad scene is part of the annual die-off of migrating tundra swans that generally arrive in late February and early March. Each year, an average, about 80 to 100 swans die in the Coeur River Basin because their food source is contaminated by a century of mining waste. This year is a high mortality year because swans arrived earlier than usual in the Coeur River Basin in early February and have stuck around. Brittany Moreland, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service biologist, said before the annual migration is over, several thousand swans will visit the basin. Many are feeding in contaminated habitat as they move between wetland areas. Earlier this month, a team of biologists sampled sediments and fecal samples from the surfaces of wetlands in the lower basin where swans were recently observed. Swans were captured to collect blood and fecal samples and affix marking devices such as colored neck collars and satellite collars. Of the 17 swans that were captured at night and released, three or four have already turned up dead. Quote, it's likely to be a year with a high number of mortalities, Moreland said. She added the number of swan deaths has many variables, including how many swans arrive, how long they stay, and weather conditions. According to Fish and Game, mining waste was discharged into the Coeur River and its tributaries for much of the 20th century. Fish and Game said tundra swans are particularly vulnerable because they burrow deep into the mud to feed on roots and tubers, increasing the amount of exposure to contaminants like lead in the soil. Kim Prespo, EPA project manager, said it's an issue that has been tracked and studied for decades. The solution is to clean up the mess. But that's not easy. There is a high concentration of mining waste scattered over an extremely large area, about 30 river miles. It will take decades and hundreds of millions of dollars to undo the damage. Quote, the EPA has been working in the low basin consistently, Prespo said, but it is a slow process. The plan is to restore wetlands to functioning habitat includes prioritizing high waterfowl use in the basin and working to incriminately clean them up. Dave Lepich, Idaho Fish and Game, said they are looking at 20 to 30 years. It's going to take a lot of money, a lot of agencies, and a lot of time to turn things around, he said. There are success stories. 
The Schlepp Wetlands Restoration Area in the Lower Basin has over 400 acres of a clean and productive wetland habitat used by swans. The EPA and others are continuing efforts to create more clean feeding habitat in the Lower Basin. Leptich said geese and ducks are also affected by the contaminated mine waste in the basin, but swans are affected more than other species. Leptich said Fish and Game receives a fair number of calls each year reporting the dead and dying swans and asking what is happening. Locals are familiar with the situation, but new arrivals are not. It would be a bit startling, yeah, to see a stumbling swan... Going across the road. And Jarring, for sure. Right? Yes. Yeah. Something yeah. that you don't necessarily want to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this has been an ongoing problem for as long as the mining pollution has been around. Right. Uh, as, as, as long as, yeah. As somebody who's from the valley, yourself, and me, mm. who has been well acquainted with it for a little while now, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a, a, a larger issue, unfortunately, than just in that area. Yes. It's, it's everywhere in the Silver Valley. Yes, and, it is. And as, we ta- it was, as we'll talk about, also in Lake Coeur d'Alene, um, yeah, it's not... Not great. Not good. Not good. Uh, nope. Hopefully, hopefully the swans are going to be okay. If you're looking for a refreshing, locally made beer, check out Radio Brewing at 319 Main Street in Uptown Kellogg. The tap room is open seven days a week. They offer delicious craft beer and awesome snack and food options. To learn more, visit radiobrewingcompany.com. Radio Brewing. Put radio in your mouth hole. All right. Let's move into show news press headlines. Uh, real quick, though, announcement. If you guys are tuning into this episode looking for our interview with Spherewood, a uh, local band out of Shoshone County, just scroll to the very end of the Shoshone news press headlines. We're going to talk about three of them today, and then we're going to put in our interview with Severewood right at the end. So we'll, we'll also announce that as the show goes on. But uh, just a quick FYI, if you were scrolling through and you're like, where where's the interview with Spherewood? Well, it's coming up. It's coming. It's it's here. It's coming. All right. Headlines Tuesday, March 15th. Headline back to back Bell of the Bartender's Ball. It's, it's a little a little, little alliteration right there. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder who wrote that. Oh, it's Chance Watson. That was me. Oh, Chance. Competition is the spice of life, but it can also serve as motivation to support a great cause. That's what organizers of the 10th annual Bartender's Ball saw last Saturday as more than 350 attendees showed up to raise funds for Help Every Little Paw and partake in some of the best mixed drinks that the Panhandle has to offer. Held at the Resort Plaza shops on Sherman Avenue in downtown Coeur d'Alene, 12 different bars and 6 restaurants went head-to-head with each other to determine who has the best cocktail or entree in North Idaho, all while supporting a good cause. Help Every Little Paw is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the health and happiness of all pets. They achieve their goal by helping companion animals with emergency medical attention, spaying and neutering, socialization, rehabilitation, and food through raising money, raising necessary funds. Event organizer Holly Hansen was incredibly pleased with not only the turnout of the sold-out event, but the amount of money raised as well. Quote, preliminary numbers are at over $30,000, she said, which when we did this last, uh, before last, 2020, I think we raised a total of 22000 So good improvement there. <laughs> Thankful that the event did so well, Hansen explained that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, last year's event was canceled, which put a strain on the group's funds. Quote, we went completely dry for the emergency medical attention fund for the animals. So this is helping out a lot. As far as the competition side of things, the Silver Corner Bar from Wallace took home the top overall prize of the night after snagging first in the People's Choice category and second in the Judge's Choice. Quote, It was a good time. We love supporting every little paw, help every little paw, said Silver Corner Bar owner Jocelyn 
Jocelyn Bachman. The competition was stout this year, but we won. Catapulting them to their second ba- and back-to-back overall win at the ball, Bachman entered what she calls an Adam, an Apple and Eve, created with house-made apple shrubs, Maker's Mark 46, organic lemonade, and Fee Brothers Black Walnut Bitters. Quote, it's kind of sweet, tart, nutty, and fun, she said. Um, I've had this drink, <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> Participating in the third ball, Bachman was thankful to the many hometown faces that she saw. Quote, it was nice to see the Sorelli show up. At least 20 to 30 people from Wallace showed up to support the event and us. Bartenders' ball awards are broken down by judges' decisions, people's choice, and an overall winner. The five judges were specifically chosen for their refined palates and graded both the drinks and hors d'oeuvres on quality such as taste, appearance, creativity, and originality. Attendees were able to vote for their favorite food and drink item by giving their their coveted white ticket over to their booth of choice. The overall winner is decided by weighing the rankings of both categories. Winners of the judges' drink judges' drink and food categories included the old school liquor bars Maple Bourbon Smash and Westwood Brewing Company's Slow Braised Pork Tostada. Mm-hmm. Westwood also took the people's choice uh, people's food choice category as well. To old school liquor bar manager Billy Bonnet, the drink they bought, brought to the event had quite a bit of symbolism. Quote, I put this drink together in honor of Billy Gagnon, who was our Jim Bean rep that passed away in an ATV accident about a year ago. He turned me on to the orange flavor, which I now use for old fashions at our bar. The specialty smash is made from, from fresh lemon juice and fresh mint, muddled together with 100% maple syrup and Jim Bean orange. John Westwood with Westwood Brewing explained that the, that the credit for the tostada goes to their chef Shane, who specializes in a lot of Latin and Mexican dishes. With the 10th iteration of the event in the books, Hansen is already looking forward to next year and was incredibly, incredibly thankful for those who played a part in putting on the ball. Quote, while the event is awesome and without the participants, the bars and caterers, it wouldn't be possible. There was a committee of 12 that for the last four months have worked their tails off and 35 volunteers, including the committee, at the event to make sure things went smoothly. For more information on Help Every Little Paw, visit its website at helpeverylittlepaw.org. Aww. So very cool that the local organization uh, made some decent money. Yeah, um, that'll help them support a great, great cause in North Idaho. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, maybe we're a little biased, but shout out to uh, the Silver Corner. Silver Corner. Maybe maybe because they they sponsor this show from time to time. Mm, and maybe we're, we're we are not we have no shame in uh, touting people who give us more money. <laughs> <laughs> I love gold. I love gold. (laughs) All right. The SVEDC names Olson as new executive director. I wrote this one this week. Mm -hmm. The Silver Valley Economic Development Corporation recently named local business owner Paige Olson as its new executive director. Olson and her husband have lived in the Silver Valley for a decade, and during that time, they have admired the beauty and sense of community that the area offers. Quote, I'm so excited for the opportunity. I'm a Silver Valley transplant and have grown to love this area and the community. Between that and being a small business owner myself, this position seems like a great fit. I'm a dreamer and see the potential in so much. To be in a position to see some of those dreams become a reality is very exciting. As far as previous work experience, Olson has been the owner of Verse Fitness Studio in Osborne for the past six years and taught sixth grade at Silver Hills Elementary School for four years before becoming a stay-at-home mom. SVEDC is exclusively operated to promote economic development in the scenic Silver Valley, including the communities of Mullen, Wallace, Osborne, Kellogg, Wardner, Smelterville, and Pinehurst. 
The mission statement of the, of the SVEDC is to create living wage job opportunities and grow the tax base by helping the local primary industry employers grow while assisting in relocating local business startups and improving the quality of life and standard of living for those who live in the Silver Valley. Quote, we are a nonprofit organization that focuses on projects to help revitalize and grow the Silver Valley. We are a support system for small businesses, which are the heart of our area, as well as spearhead the implementation of infrastructure to support the growth of our area that makes the people want to live and invest here. Besides working on the day-to-day office duties, Olson will also serve as an information hub and project facilitator for anyone looking to help support the people and businesses of the Silver Valley. SVEDC's work is largely behind the scenes, working to support established businesses or by facilitating outside business moving in. Quote, we want people to know we are here, but we are more about the people and entities taking the credit for the success. Most recently, SVEDC played a large role in attracting high-speed internet providers to the area. For more information about SVEDC and the resources it provides, visit www.silvervalleyedc.org. Well, congratulations to her. Congratulations to her. I, yeah, this was kind of, I didn't know much um, currently about the SVEDC, but. They like to work behind the scenes. And that's what it seems they're like. They're actually but very, they're, they're responsible. For, for a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, um, I, I know Paige. Um, mm-hmm. She's, I think she's well, well suited for the gig. I yeah. Think. I seems think like it. Just fine. Mm-hmm. Restore your smile, restore your confidence. Complete Dental Care delivers quality dental care and complete customer satisfaction with state-of-the-art technology. They guaranteed a positive dental experience, a bright smile, and restored confidence. Schedule your appointment today. Call 208-682-4540. Complete Dental Care is located at 418 West Cameron Avenue in Kellogg. To learn more, visit completedentalnw.com. Moving on, last story for the day. Idaho Strategic Resources Strikes. This is by Devin Weeks. A local company that works in gold is having its own golden moment. Idaho Strategic Resources celebrated hitting the big time Friday when it was officially listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Quote, to higher stock prices, miner, mining engineer Andrew Brackbush said with a smile, causing his colleagues to laugh during a toast in the company's headquarters Friday afternoon. Idaho Strategic Resources CEO and President John Swallow said the company received the news within the past week that it would be added to the uh, NASDAQ, N-Y-S-E, do we just say NASDAQ? I think so. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a stock stock market person. Obviously, uh, the world's largest stock market trading platform. Uh, Friday morning was when the company debuted with its stock symbol IDR. Quote, everybody's been watching it, Swallow said. The stock's done fairly well leading up to this. We've actually had a really good volume day. Idaho Strategic Resources produces gold and rare earth elements. It was known as the New Jersey Mining Company until December of 2021 when it conducted a reverse stock split and became Idaho Strategic Resources. The company had to check several items off the list before it could achieve a NYSE listing status. Quote, we just walked out our way right through the process to get it done, Swallow said. We didn't have to have a bunch of high-priced attorneys or anything to get it done. We were ourselves, and they were great to work with. We just kept knocking down the pins, and then here we are. North Idaho Company was founded in 1996 and has 55 full-time employees. Quote, we're just super excited to get this to this point, Corp- uh, Corporate Secretary Mo. Monique Hayes said, the company has been working so hard for so long. It's just really cool to see a company our size to be able to achieve something. And I think rightfully we're in the right spot. 
The company's growth and where we are on the NYSE is fitting. The company may be small, but it's mighty, and it has seen peaks and valleys through the years, Swallow said. Quote, when we get involved and help turn it around, I think that there was one employee, he said. We really didn't have anywhere near the assets we have today, so it really was a group of people coming together saying, okay, we're getting the band back together, we're, we're going to do this. Everybody focusing on their part, sacrificing. All of it. It's a scrappy, scrappy story. Several of its employees are father-son-daughter teams, married couples, and other teams representing multiple generations. Brackenbush is a fourth-generation Idahoan whose grandfather worked for the company. He works alongside his father, Grant Brackenbush. Quote, I always just felt like the two things that would be important when you're young looking forward would be serving your country or working for something that your family's been working for for a long time, Andrew Brackenbush said. Quote, doing something my family did so long is why I'm, I did mining engineering because I want to be a part of grandpa and dad in the place that I love. I grew up in Wallace, so it's fun to be home. He said everyone's excited about the company being listed on the NASDAQ, but we know, we know now that a lot is work, there's a lot of work left to do. Swallow said this accomplishment is a very big testament, quote, to the folks in North Idaho, Silver Valley, bringing together the community, employees, and the families for sure. It's pretty cool, but again, it's shared, every, it's shared, it's shared by everybody. There's not any one of us that could have done it on our own, Swallow said. Well, that's just fantastic. That is. Nice piece of news coming from the Silver Valley um, mm -hmm. and another mm -hmm. mining company. I think there's a lot of folks around here that still kind of have hope for a resurgence of right. the, the old mining days here in the Silver Valley. Mm -hmm. So um, while it sounds like they're small but mighty, you know, um, one more mine is uh, more than than we had. So Very true. There you go. That's good. Mm -hmm. Watts Appliances are providing incomparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over 50 years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you're in need of a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit wattsappliance.com or stop by at, and visit at 3 North Division Street in Pinehurst. All right, everybody. Those looking for the Severewood interview, your moment has come. We're going to kick it on over to that. Severewood is in the house, everybody. Guys, why don't you introduce yourselves real quick for our audience? Well, I'm Chris Severdston, and uh, this is Rusty Wood. Uh, he's the main attraction of the show. He sings all the all the lyrics, which are so hard to remember. But uh, yeah, I don't always remember them. But <laughs> you just make them up on stage. <laughs> happens quite a few times. Just say watermelon a bunch of times. They'll think it's right. It'll is, be all right. is that it? Is that how? Okay, I'll remember that. Uh, so it's not just you two. No, it's uh, we've got the the third guy we had join the band is uh, Greg Brazil. He's the bass player. Uh, he sings a few songs too. He's known he's as a, Wheels. Known as Wheels. Yeah, he's an amazing bass player. Uh, man, he keeps the band stuck together. Uh, then we added Barry Barkley. Barkley, he's a drummer out of Nashville. He's he's an amazing artist. And uh, man, we just I when he joined we, the band, it really it really made the thing. Wheels you know? kind of picked us to a, a new level. And then when Barry showed up, he kind of really brought Topped everything it off, together. Yeah. yeah. He made uh, me a much better rhythm player. I've played solo for 20-plus years before I ever got in a band, so I had a lot to learn, believe it or not. And he, him and Wills made a big difference for me on rhythm. So Yeah, and it's sure nice to have a full band. Uh, and we've added Miss Christine Noah, uh, uh, Greg's uh, significant other. She does uh, some lead vocal and a lot of harmony. She does a great job. She's been in the last year. So. Yeah, so we're a nice five-piece band now. Nice. Yeah. Really rounding into form. Yeah. All right, so let's let's start from the beginning. When did you guys kick off? 
So we, Chris and I actually uh, knew each other, but we kind of met up and started jamming at the, used to be the Mission Inn, and now it's Timbers Roadhouse. They were having jam nights, and we started playing together, and we're like, oh, we got a pretty good chemistry here, and then we started doing some some local little two-man gigs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, Actually, I had a I had a pretty bad experience with fireworks that summer, and we'd planned to <laughs> planned to do a wedding of one of Rusty's buddies. And uh, anyway, so I was like trying to heal up and picking the calluses off my fingers and stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we got we got that together, and we made it work. And since then, we've just been you know adding gigs and growing, and it's just been. It's just been great. You know? And props to Bill Cleveland at the Pioneer Lodge. That's where we kind of broke ourselves in. Yeah, um, yeah. Had some fun nights there. I think, like I said, I think we added Wheels, the base, base man, in I think about 2018. Yeah. And then Barry Barkley was 2019, at somewhere right in there. And then and going since Christina there. shortly yeah, after. Yeah, shortly after that. Yeah. So Moved on from there. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your guys' music and what you do. Hardcore gangster rap. Right. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. That's what you guys <laughs> that's, are going that's for. The ongoing joke. Okay. But no, no, it's mostly just classic rock and country. I mean, anything that you would consider feel good music, uh, fun dance music, you know, Tom Petty, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, CCR, uh, yeah. uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah. And in terms of the country, a lot of the old stuff Johnny Cash, Willie Waylon, up to Garth Brooks, George Strait. A little 90s country in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even some, some newer stuff. Um, Cole Swindell. I got some stuff in the last five years. Eric Church. Uh, I get a lot of requests for yeah, him. Yeah, you do. Okay. Um, I, I, I just isn't. I, I really attribute the fortunate success we've had locally to that more than anything. People just know what we play. They like it. They come out and dance, and then we feed off each other. It oh just, yeah, for it sure. It just gets better when we have a good crowd. We get better. They have more fun. So. The music choice and and that's you know if you're going to be a cover band play something people know and that they like. Yep. <laughs> gotcha. So that was my next question. Do you guys have have you guys ever thought about making any of your own stuff? Uh, we thought about it. It's just one of those deals. You know, we've all got kind of full time jobs. Sure. And, uh, I own and operate a logging company, and Rusty does the physical Runs therapy. Runs physical therapy equipment. Everybody's <laughs> just busy, man. Sure. And it's really hard. I mean, we have a hard time practicing even during the summer. Last summer, I think we had twenty. 20 some gigs all summer long yeah. and uh it just made it hard to practice so we use our gigs as practice and it's hard to learn sure. new stuff that way you know so it's but. definitely become a almost a labor of love in some cases because it started out as a, just this fun thing and now i mean you guys are, we were talking about before the mics went live uh, you guys are booked yeah. yeah we're booked booked up we've actually had to turn down three gigs yesterday uh my beautiful fiance becky kind of manages the band and um she does a hell of a job um, and she contacts on three different people yesterday, and, and basically we're at that point where we're not doing it for a living, but we maybe we'd like to, but we can't quit our day jobs <laughs> not quite yet. yet so. Not just there. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're kind of booked up for the rest of the, through the summer and into the early fall. So Gotcha. Um, tell me a little bit, so as, as you guys evolve from two people to five, how is, has it changed and evolved your musical styles, like what songs you can do and that kind of thing? I think it's uh, it's added uh, definitely when Wheels uh, sings his uh, songs. It's it's more of a more of a classic, fun con- or uh, classic rock songs, okay. you know, and, and, yeah, and yeah. it really fits his vocals and everything. And and when he gets into it, you it's it's fun. Sure, you know, he really you can really tell when he's when he's going. And, sure, uh, <laughs> and so that that makes it nice. You know, it it's more. 
I would say I'm a little bit more apt to want to play that type of music. Yeah. Um, not that I'm against playing anything. Like we, sure. we play just about everything. You sure. Know? But uh, but yeah. yeah. I, and getting a chance to think about it. My take on it is. I know when Chris and I first started, it was kind of more of your sit-down coffee house acoustic type. There was no some pleasant real, background yeah, noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, and yeah, yeah. As we added the bass and the drums, there came the rhythm and actually the structures of these songs. That's where I really started learning how to improve my rhythm. Um, so I think people hear it now, like man, they recognize that song right off because it sounds. Again, cover band, you want to sound as much as you can just so they recognize it like the song. Mm-hmm. And then maybe add your own little twist to it. But So that's how they. I think we've changed with adding them is, you know, put more rhythm and structure. It wasn't just kind oh, of I, a I 100% style. agree with you. Yeah, I would assume that it also kind of opens up your music repertoire a little bit because, you know, there's some songs that just need drums, you know, or something oh, yeah. like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's yeah. a fact. If that makes any sense. And then we've got Christine singing some songs, and she's got an amazing voice. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, she does Redneck like woman. I mean, she's hit me with your best yeah. shot. Yep. She oh. just picked that one up. She does Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. She's got a few. It's got to be some Shania in there too, right? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, gotta get some Shania in there. Come <laughs> no, on. I think the next two songs, the next two or three songs, we're, we're gonna, gonna be her. Yep, yeah, for sure. There you go. So. Got to get her in there a little bit more. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, cool. And and I mean, I've seen you guys play multiple times. Um, I'm definitely a fan of you guys. Okay. Uh, started out yeah. here in started out here in Shoshone County. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are you guys guys from the area? Yeah, I'm I'm born and raised. Well, I was born in Coeur d'Alene, but yep. lived out here my life. Yep. I graduated high school from Kellogg. And, yep. uh, yeah. Same here. Born and raised. Yep. Graduated way back in 1990. Kellogg. I went away for a few years of school, then found myself back here. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you guys get into music? So for me personally, I started playing right at the end of high school because my grandpa on my mom's side played music professionally for a living. That's how he made his living. He was a blues and jazz, uh, both rhythm and lead guitarist. And he was phenomenal. And I was lucky enough to be able to play 15, 20 years with him before he passed. So that's what got me into it. Sure. I I kind of plunked around on some crappy old guitars when I was growing up and was never really good or anything at it. I knew a couple chords, but uh, in 2012, my brother uh, passed away and he always told me that I should I should pick up the guitar because it, whenever I did play, I, it sounded like I was going to be good at it. So sure. uh, when he passed, I took it to heart and I started uh, started picking up the lead guitar and, and here we are. And I have so. to say props to this guy right beside me, Chris here. He, there's 15, 20 songs we learned he had never heard in his life, and he just picks it up. I mean, he's probably the quickest, like, doesn't need to hear it, doesn't need to take lessons, just does it. In terms of lead guitar, i got to give you props Thanks, on that. Man. Yeah, That's just fun. <laughs> and then he'll hear the song, oh, well, that's how it goes. I'm like, yeah, you nailed it without hearing it. <laughs> Has that been, so, like, going into it, like, picking up a song or something like that, what's, what's the hardest part to pick? Like, so you mentioned that the guitar part, doing okay, uh, like, lyrics. Has that been, is that difficult, or vocals, that so, kind of thing? fortunately for me, lyrics has, if I start to think about it, that's when I'll forget a word. If It's just kind of muscle memory, because I've sang most of these a lot of the songs we put on the on the list of course are songs i already did so for me that's muscle memory and and i won't speak for chris i will say 
I think he it, it's just it it's a whole different animal lead guitar. I can let him talk about that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's amazing and it's uh, you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to the lead guitar, I mean, I don't even know if I'm doing it right, you know? <laughs> it sounds good. Uh, yeah, as long as it sounds good, I think we, that's the whole we, point. We kind of just threw it together, and I know I don't play every time what the original song plays, but I just play what I feel at the moment, and it seems like it works out pretty darn well. Um, uh, the crowd's always dancing, so what do you say? Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, tough question. Favorite song to play? If you go, I name mine. You go ahead. I like I like small town. I I get to play the harmonica and I get to play a cool lead on the guitar. So um, the the song that we are going to use for the for the intro and outro for this episode, uh, we're we're going to use uh, one of my favorite recordings from you guys uh, from our, the early days of SMP. Now, um, Piano Man. No, where yeah. was, that's yeah, a great song. That's I a great it. song, and and your harmonica, you just bust that out. So yeah, cool. yeah that was awesome. really good. Yeah, I mean, boy, there's a lot to pick. I would say for me, Centerfield. Um, it's just one of those that I, I love to sing and it gets the crowd out there instantly and everyone, oh, wow, I forgot about this song. Everyone starts remembering it. Sure. So, yeah, some Fogarty, but that's probably my favorite. That's a good one. Yeah. As a as a team, what do you guys feel, what, what song do you guys feel like you just knock out of the park the bet? Like everybody's firing on all cylinders. Everybody's just like at the top of their game. I would say uh, I'd say Small Town. For okay. Small Town for sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And it's why it's our, usually our, um, gig opener almost every gig not just because we're so connected on it but because we're all from a small town it has yeah. meaning for, for us so man yeah and then and that one has everything christine's harmonizing chris is doing two instruments so yeah wagon wheel wagon, wagon wheel we, we, we pretty much nail that one that's, that's that's a fun song yeah i've heard you guys play that before it's yeah. it's pretty good cool well all right guys let's um let's talk about where where can people hear you so i uh we kind of have like a little yeah, we have a page and an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am the world's least techie person, but uh-huh. my fiance Techie Becky, uh, runs all that, and, there, and it, it, the list is on there. I think Severewood Instagram and and Facebook. Yeah, yeah, spelled S V E R W O O D. Perfect. Um, yeah, and we have, and like as we were talking earlier, we're, we're pretty much booked out. I know we're we're kind of expanding out of the area, which has been exciting. We did Bolos in Spokane Valley last week in two nights in a row. We have Curly's coming up, which is what is out in Hauser. Hauser, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And we have uh, St. Mary's, the State Line Cruisers, uh, local. We've got lots uh, of local stuff. Oh, Timbers, Inch of shown, yeah, 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 Timbers, and then I'm sure I know we have. Uh, uh, Molly be damned days. I know we have two in Wall- Murray. Yep, two in Wallace in August again. Um, Huckleberry Festival. Uh, yeah, there's. Okay. I think there's two again. Yeah, and so, maybe Mad Bon. Oh, and maybe Piner's Days. Oh, Piner's Days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we're gonna do that. Days, of course. Yeah, the roots, of course. Yeah, Got to. Be cool. Well, cool. And if anyone wants more information, they can just check you guys out on social media. Yeah, yeah. Send us a message. We'll get back to you. Becky usually does that. She does a great job, like you're saying. But yeah, perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. Chatting with me, and maybe we can we can come in and bring you in for a jam session soon. Yeah, cool. We appreciate it. Cool. Thanks. Once again. Thanks to the guys from Severewood coming in Thank and you. having a chat with me. Um, 
it seems like I run into those guys all the time. <laughs> uh, they're they're good dudes. I really really get along with them. And I and I and I have danced to more than one of their songs. Oh, swing danced a little bit of swing dance. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been known to uh, to, to country swing. To dance. cut a rug here or there. Every once in a while, from time to time, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big deal. No. All right, let's push north to the Bonner County Daily Bee out of Sandpoint. Headline Saturday, March 12. Election filled with contested races. This is by Anissa Keith. Participating in government is one of the perks of living in a democratic country, and voting is one of the most common ways Americans take part. Above and beyond voting, some residents in Bonner County have chosen to do more. Friday at 5 p.m. marked the deadline for registering as a candidate in this year's upcoming election. Fifty people are running in the May 17th primary election, over half of which are running as Republicans in the committee precinct races. Twenty-eight are running as Republicans, seven as Democrats. Committee men and women are elected by voters who are registered in their chosen political party. Because of the traditional two-party system, applicants can either run as a Republican or Democrat. Despite the massive interest in becoming elected members of their chosen political party, committee committee members can only make decisions involving their own political party. All of the other positions in the upcoming election influence governance on a larger scope. Commissioner Chairman Dan McDonald is retiring after two terms, and five people are vying for the District 3 seat. David C. Bowman of Sandpoint, Richard A. Harder of Clark Fork, Ron H. Corn Jr. of Sandpoint, Benjamin L. Omont of Sandpoint, and Brian A. Riley of Sandpoint. Also up in this year's election is District 2 Commissioner Seat, currently held by Jeff Connolly of Priest River, who is seeking re-election. Also seeking the seat are Randy L. Flattery of Priest River and Asia L. Williams of Blanchard. However, the county commissioner seats are not the only elections that will experience a competitive race. Three people are in the running for county assessor. Put simply, the county assessor determines the monetary value of personal property and real property for tax purposes. Incumbent Donna E. Gow of Hope is running for re-election against Jesse A. Webster of Sandpoint and Grant W. Dorman of Sandpoint. Although not an incumbent, Webster currently works for the county as deputy clerk and public information officer for the Bonner Bonner County Commissioner's Office. The Treasurer's Office will be a heads-up race between Dennis Colton Boyles of Sagal and Clarissa Coster of Kootenai. Coster is currently working for the county in the election office. Her employment within the election office will not impact the results of the Treasurer's race. Coroner Robert W. Beers and Clerk Michael Rosedale are both running unopposed for re-election. After the May 17th primary, the general election will be on November 20th. To contact any of the candidates mentioned in this article, contact the Bonner County Election Clerk at 208-265-1432. All right. Well, there's all the need to know for elections up there. Yeah. Kind of reminds me we should probably do that here in Shoshone, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, get around to that. <laughs> Moving on, Sunday, March 13th, headlines, Idaho man charged in lewd conduct case. Ooh. This is by Anissa Keith. An Idaho man has been bound over to 1st District Court to face a lewd conduct charge. 
Jeffrey Ray Williams, 52, is also facing a felony enhancement charge for an event that happened uh, for an event that allegedly took place in 2013. However, prosecutors said Wednesday that an amended charge could be soon entered into the court system. County prosecutors called the victim and her mother to testify, during which new information was disclosed regarding the abuse allegations. In the victim's December 2020 forensic interview, she said that Williams allegedly assaulted her in Sandpoint when she was eight or nine years old. Oh, what a pile! Yeah. According to an affidavit of probable cause, the victim disclosed the abuse days after it happened to another adult who confronted Williams about the allegations. Williams denied the allegations and the alleged abuse went unreported to law enforcement. Years later in 2020, the victim disclosed the abuse to a mandatory reporter who informed law enforcement of the allegations. Magistrate Judge Justin Julian ruled that there was enough probable cause for Williams to be bound over for trial. Williams is scheduled for arraignment on March 21st. Williams has 13 other cases in the in the Idaho court database for battery, unlawfully possessing a weapon, and driving a vehicle without the owner's permission. His most recent cases feature 14 charges for violating no-contact orders, for which he is currently serving up to five years the Idaho Department of Corrections. Oh, he's already in jail. Cool. Although the victim disclosed the alleged abuse at first, the adults involved did not report the abuse to law enforcement. A counselor reported the alleged abuse when the victim talked about it years later. There is no statute of limitations when it comes to reporting sexual abuse against minors. Well, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> there are local resources available to those who wish to pursue justice. The Lilybrook Family Justice Center can be reached at 20, uh, reached 24-7-208-265-3586. They provide victims with advocacy and connections to other professionals who can aid in the healing process. Okay. Hmm. Not a great guy. Not a great guy. Um, I guess um, the only solace here is he's, he's in, he is in, in jail. He's in jail. Prison? Good. Yeah. Sounds like he's going to probably be there for even longer. Yeah. 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 Good Alrighty. stuff. Alrighty. So the Museum Guild brings history downtown. Annex is part gift shop, part museum. The Bonner County Historical Society and Museum has dreamed of being downtown for a long time. However, the expense put that dream out of reach until now. Enter the Museum Guild, part museum, part gift shop, Part funky space with special treasures, each with their own unique story. The Guild is the serendipitous serendipitous mm-hmm. culmination of two long-standing dreams of the Bonner County Historical Society, Bonner County Museum Executive Director Heather Upton said. The first, the museum has hoped for a downtown presence for years to build awareness of local history and its exhibits. Second, museum officials wanted to create and showcase local products and books unique to the area. A museum guild was assembled to transform the dream into reality. Josie and Dennis Buckmiller, Hannah Combs, Margaret Mazer, and Brooke Moore formed the core group to steward the vision. The group's combined knowledge, love of history, and knowledge of antiques, art, and quality goods make the Museum Guild shop a special place, she added. Quote, I really believe that the universe helped pull this all together with us, Upton said. Equally important to the creation of the Museum Guild are the museum's board and its many volunteers. Being able to share those stories from the people to places like the Panita to the community spirit that has driven our little town for decades. This benefits everyone from the museum to the community to those visiting. The Guild's front window, which faces the intersection of First and Main, gives Upton the chance to curate another space to highlight local history. While the museum has been around since 1978, the museum's executive director said she still finds many people are unaware of its existence. The Museum Guild will sell a wide variety of antique items collected by the Guild members, as well as Bonner County-specific merchandise created by the museum. 
In addition, the gift shop will sell a comprehensive collection of local history books, books by local authors, and playing cards featuring local historic photos. Quote, we have our amazing collection at the museum, but it has a very specific scope, Upton said. In order to have something accepted into the museum collection, it has to tell the story of Bonner County. A lot of people have a wonderful item that was their great-grandmother's that's very special to them. They just wanted it to go to a good home, and they want to support the museum. This allows them to do both. The treasured item finds a new home to continue its story, and its sale benefits the museum's operations. Forming a focal point is a poster-sized photo of one of the museum's more than 70,000 historic photos. The photos have become a popular addition to local homes and businesses. Now with the Museum Guild, Upton said the museum will be creating a catalog of its top photos, separated by subject. That will allow the museum to both highlight its photo collection, but give those interested a spot to browse the photos and order the ones they like. The expansion to downtown won't mean the end of the gift shop at the museum itself. That gift shop, located at 611 South Ella Avenue, remains open and will primarily feature books published by the Bonner County Historical Society Press and other books by local authors. Those interested in volunteering can go online to the museum's website, bonnercountyhistory.org, and fill out a volunteer's form. Those preferring to do so in person can stop by the museum. The Museum Guild, located at 300 North 1st Avenue, will be open Wednesdays through Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm thinking, I think I need to check this place out. I, that's why a trip up to Samway sounds are we, pretty are we cool. Thinking, are we thinking field trip? Field oh. trip. Right. Field trip. Right. Josh, you just have to come. He's and not am... here, so he has no say in it. No, he's kicked off the show. He's not. He's not. We don't. We don't. Who's Josh? He's kicked, oh, I'm so sorry to bring up that, that name. No. <laughs> but he's going to come with us, obviously. We don't talk about him anymore. You don't even go here. We don't say that name on this show. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Josh was here recently. All right. Moving on. Tuesday, March 15th headline. Sandpoint High School senior named National Merit Finalist. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. The future is bright for Sandpoint High School senior John Keegan, not just because of his diverse interests and passion for learning, but also because he was recently named a National Merit Finalist. The National Merit Program honors individuals, individual students who show exceptional academic ability and potential for success in rigorous, rigorous college studies. While typically the school invents a reason to get semi-finalists and finalists to the office to surprise them with a celebration with their family, that didn't happen in Keegan's case. Meyer said she, quote, blew the surprise after seeing how stressed Keegan was not was getting over not knowing whether he had earned a spot as a finalist or not. His mother, Ellie Sunnis, Susness? Yeah, S-U-S-N-I-S. Mm-hmm. Susness, yeah. Said she was proud of her son and that all that uh, all that he has accomplished. While he has worked hard, it has been the village behind him that have allowed her son to t- soar. Quote, all the way up through his whole career, we've had a wonderful teachers and support for John to really go after his interests and try new things, she said. And we really have always tried to support him with that. And I think, you know, he's a wonderful, well-rounded person as a result, and I couldn't be prouder of him. While he was nervous about whether he had made it or not, Keegan said it was more because he hadn't heard anything and knew he should be hearing soon. For now, he said it's just excited to have been named a finalist. He will have to weigh his options on where to go or what to study later. Later. While the University of Idaho offers him his best deal, a full ride with tuition and books, housing and paid co- uh, housing paid covered, Keegan said he is still weighing his options. 
He said he's never had a dream school focusing more on what programs the school offers and what opportunities it affords him. Quote, I don't really want to go to like a big fancy school necessarily, he said. I never really thought about it too much, but just whatever, whenever I can learn cool things. Currently taking music theory and choir, Keegan said he loves learning about music, saying it's taught him a lot. Keegan isn't sure just yet what he plans to study in college because his interests vary, ranging from sciences to the arts and everything in between. I... I get it, Keegan. Oh, yeah. Totally understand. Uh Only a small percentage of the uh, country's high school seniors earned a spot as a finalist, Meyer said. Quote, it's a pretty neat thing, she added. There's only 16,000 of you in the whole United States. It's a really big honor, and I mean, I have to have to make it this far as you have. Yeah, don't worry about uh, choosing what you want to do necessarily, Keegan. Uh, Worry worry more about not going into debt when you do it. Uh, (sighs) Yeah, that's 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 honestly, I... To this day, I take more pride in graduating college with no debt than mm. actually graduating college. Like, that, that's, that's that's a huge win. That is a huge mm-hmm. win. Yep. Yes. That was a big deal. I unfortunately cannot say this Ma- now, but... Poor Molly. Poor me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so in debt. Learn from my, mis- <laughs> learn from my mistakes. If anybody... I have, I, have, I have a GoFundMe... <laughs> If anyone wants to contribute, help me play, pay for my education mm-hmm. degree that I'm not currently using. Right, yeah. Go to GoFundMe. No. All right. Rongstad's governor bid in limbo. Of the 15 people vying for the governor's seat, one of Bonner County's hopefuls may be prevented from having his name printed on the ballot. If the technicality stands and Bonner County gubernatorial, gubernatorial, I love that word. (laughs) Thank you. Gubernatorial candidate Shelby Rongstad cannot have his name printed on the May 17th primarily. I can't do this story. Okay. If the technicality stands in Bonner County gubernation, oh my gosh, chance gubernatorial. I love that word because it reminds me of goober, like uh, like that because it's just a funny word to it me. It is a funny word, mm-hmm. and it, but my brain is like gubernatorial. Gubernatorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm sure even people who are running for the governor's position don't necessarily like to say the word <laughs> gubernatorial. All right. Mm-hmm. Rockstand's campan- campaign staff said the Sandpoint mayor has changed his registration in October 2021, but changes were not reflected in county records before the March 11th registration deadline. Quote, immediately upon learning that the records did not accurately reflect his party registration, Mayor Rongstad used the Secretary of State's online tool to change his party registration, again, to reflect that he is registered as a Democrat, said Ethan Schaefer, Rongstad's campaign manager. Rockstad was found on Friday to be registered as a Republican and not as a Democrat. His campaign's designation... According to Chad Houck, Chief Deputy Secretary of State, Idaho law requires the candidates file with the party for which they are registered. Quote, there were two candidates for governor, both of whom had filing declarations that did not line up with their current voter registration, Houck told Idaho Reports on Saturday morning. According to a Saturday article by the Idaho Capital Sun, Ronstadt was registered as a Republican, but was running as a Democrat. The other candidate, according to Hauk, is Dr. Ryan Cole, a Boise pathologist. Cole was listed as a Constitution Party candidate. However, Cole's voter registration was not affiliated with any political party as of Friday's deadline. The filing deadline for this year's November 8th election was on Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. Things have changed since Friday's deadline, Rongstad's party affiliation being one of them. Rongstad's campaign wrote the Secretary of State on Sunday, saying that Rongstad should have still have his name printed on the ballot as a Democrat. That letter was released to the media Monday. 
quote, to exclude Mayor Ronstadt from the ballot merely because the party registration records did not match his declaration of candidacy for a few hours at most is both unfair and unjustified, especially consider that Mayor Rongstad has attempted to change his party registration months earlier. Whoa. I just sorry, Whoa. <laughs> had to add some drama into that. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's Keanu? Whoa. Whoa. Schaefer said Rongstad had re-registered as a Democrat in October 2021. However, there are no records of the change. Quote, at this time, we do not know why the registration records were not updated to reflect that change, and we continue to investigate the matter. According to information from Schaefer and Bonner County Clerk Michael Rosedale, the Secretary of State's office informed Rongstad's campaign of the issue the day after the deadline. Rosedale said that when Rongstad changed his party affiliation online, Rongstad has yet to officially withdraw from the governor's race. Rongstad's campaign maintains that excluding Rongstad from the you say it? Gubernatorial. Thank you. Race would threaten to violate the fundamental constitutional rights of Mayor Ronstad, the Idaho Democratic Party, and Idaho voters. Although the Idaho Secretary of State's office has not published an official list of candidates, there are 13 unofficial candidates as of Friday evening. Okay, this is a good story, Nana, because I have I have a couple thoughts on it. It's a good story. I'm sorry I struggled through no, everyone. No, no, gubernatorial is a tough word. <laughs> That's a tough, a tough one. Word. A lot um, of tough words. So on one hand, uh, I definitely do not judge anybody running for public office based on the R or the D in front of their name. Agreed. Um, and in fact, it's, I've, yeah, I've yeah. said it early on in like during election season, I don't like to endorse candidates because to me, endorsements imply that I like 100% agree with everything that they say, mm-hmm. which is never the – I don't – some of my best friends, I don't even agree with 100% of what they say. So right. how, how am I going to agree 100% with the politician? With the politician, um, exactly. But that being said, like I can acknowledge that there are politicians that I agree with on certain issues than more than others. And um, so, I mean, this is definitely a technicality kind of thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't – to me, it doesn't matter if he runs as a Democrat, a Republican, or independent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that – Judge judge shall be based on, you know, what he believes and what he wants to do. Yes. Uh, agreed. That all being said, there's a lot of people in this race. Yes. And um, – What's happening here was – yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 13 unofficial candidates, that, that's a lot. Uh-huh. Um, coming up, I, I would assume that that will get thinned out uh, when we Probably. come into the primary season. Mm-hmm. But still, though, that's – that's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Uh, a lot of competition mm-hmm. and, um, boy, I haven't, I haven't seen – this number of people right? going for it's in, interesting. I wonder it if it's be. just the environment. If they think that you know Governor Little is uh, is is in a weak state to be mm-hmm. dethroned, so to speak, um, <laughs> oh, no. not implying that he's a king or anything. Yeah. Um, uh, removed from office, I guess is a better way of saying it. <laughs> um, in any case, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll continue to follow that. Excellent. Once again, we'd like to thank Bank CDA for sponsoring this episode. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go study with Bank CDA. You want locally, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. Wow. All right, Molly. We're out for the day. That's it. That's it. That's it. Next time we see, we hear from you guys or you'll hear from us, it'll be after St. Patrick's Day. After St. Patrick's Day. So I will take so much time just... Working on my Irish accent. Watching every watching Colin every, Farrell film. Oh, I was going to say all the Leprechaun movies. Oh, that works it's going to happen. Yes. Now this idea is in my head and 
I might have to watch all the Leprechaun movies. Makes sense. Just play them in the background here at the news press. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We should have had them playing in the background through the entire podcast. We do have a giant TV in the vault. In the vault. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. What do you guys use that vault? TV for oh Le- uh, powerpoints leprechaun marathons no, I mean no. no I'm sorry powerpoints, powerpoints and and, and uh, professional things yes absolutely St- um, editing stories definitely not leprechaun in space definitely not <laughs> leprechaun in space that sounds so terrible that I'm curious sounds, I, see that's the thing like that sounds it awful. sounds horrible and so I need I need to see to how terrible it. this is I it's think like a train like wreck. leprechaun in the hood too Stop. which is horrific no, but it's also, just it's just leprechaun but like he's in different settings it is I leprechaun think, yeah. in antarctica leprechaun five in the hood so in, this is after he goes to space he goes to the hood he goes to the hood after space ice tea is in it <laughs> okay i really need to see this now. see okay i, I was really kind of joking at first but now yeah, looking now, now at all needs, of these movies i need to really i need needs, to watch especially leprechaun. i need i need to see the jump in logic between space to the hood Space to the hood, right? Like, how, like exactly. How do you? <sighs> how do you? How do you go from these two? I wait. What is the setting of the first three? I think just suburbia. Yeah, I think okay. so. And then, well, let me look up really quick because I know our I mean, listeners are very curious about the fourth one. I have to remind myself. Where does he go in between? Oh no, the fourth is space, so he does. Okay, okay, All he right. goes immediately from space. So I would assume to the hood. One of them the has to be in Ireland, three, right? No, maybe not. Probably not. No, I can't imagine. A movie about a leprechaun in Ireland. That would be ridiculous. That would that would be that, terrible. Would that be would be absolutely why silly. Would you, why would you think that? It doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. Wow. Yeah, what? we've just we've got a lot. So leprechaun, leprechaun two. Okay. So I'm apparently yeah. This is all leprechaun two is back to the hood. So it's all it's all. <laughs> Wait, how it all has go... to do to the hood until so wait, we go to space. Okay, and then five. And then five is the hood again in the hood. Why does he? Why? Why does he insist on terrorizing the people of the, the hood? The people of the hood need to. Yeah, they have the... they're they're like we have enough going on right, right now. Like we don't need. I don't need to be terrorized. By uh, there, there's racism. I don't need a lot of terrorizing. Yeah, this okay. Most random villain ever to terrorize the hood. Never. I wonder okay. what Warwick Davis thinks of playing Leprechaun in all those roles. I wonder if it's his favorite role. He did get to work with Jennifer Aniston pretty early on. So. There you go. There Could you be. Go. Could be. Okay. Well, okay. Thanks well, everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Day. If you're if you can survive through all of our Leprechaun talk, uh, please like, comment, and share. <laughs> you all thought of our the stuff. Batman talk was bad? Oh yeah. <laughs> We're gonna you're gonna get some Leprechaun talk. Uh, please like, comment, and share all of our stuff on social media. If you're interested, if you're interested in the stories we talked about today or in ones we did not, check us out at www.quarterlinepress.com, showshindiespress.com, bonnercanadadb.com, or themonsterhero.com. If you listen to us on a podcatcher, please subscribe or like, follow us, so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. Please leave a nice review, especially if you're an Apple Podcast user. Please leave a nice review. Um, even that's just clicking that five-star button. We really appreciate that. And uh, go give us a like and follow on the North Island Facebook page so you can see all the fun things we post on there.
me a smile She knows that it's me They've come here to see I'm gonna get them out of life for a while Oh, and the piano, it sounds like a carnival And Christopher, he smells like a beer Sometimes I do And they sit at the bar and put bread in my jar And say, man, we're 